Welcome to Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, with me, Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 13th of November 2017 and this is episode number 40. On this week's podcast, I talked to Charles Fair about a collection of letters and diaries he published from his grandparents and their friends and families who fought and lived through the Great War. Titled Marjorie's War, it reflects the lives and experiences of four related families who lived in the Hertfordshire area, centering around his grandmother, Marjorie Secretan. I spoke to Charles over the information superhighway from his home in Wandsworth. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Can you start with giving us a bit of background about how you became interested in the Great War? Thanks, Tom. Um, well, I've always been interested in military history since I was a uh, quite small and as as you tend to be as a child in the 70s um, the interest is more the second world war and i was very much brought up at school on the, the, the mythology of the great war and it wasn't really until i first went to the battlefields in 1991 knowing having known that my grandfather had been on the western front but not really knowing much other than he'd been on the somme i went out and taking the 47th division history with me I managed to find one or two places in connection with the family. And it was really when I came home and started looking around my family home, that I uncovered a large number of letters that he'd written and other members of the family had written. And talking to other branches of the family, we, we ended up compiling about eight, 800 letters or so that various people had written between 1914 and 1919. And it's really that which really triggered off my uh, obsessive interest in the Great War. Now, in 2012, you actually published a selection of these letters uh, in a book called Marjorie's War. Can you tell us who the main characters are in that publication? I know it gets quite complex. Yes, it does. It's it's a subtitle Four Families in the Great War. And they're all sort of held together or tied together by one central character. It's my grandmother, Marjorie Secretan. And she, so we have some of her letters that go to the front, but also she had two brothers, both of whom served, um, one of whom was killed in 1917. So that's one family. The second family is that of her fiancé, a chap called Toby Dodgson, who was killed on the Somme in 1916. So it starts off with that relationship with her fiancé up until the point he's he's killed as one of the the main narrative threads. Now, the two other families is the the third one is the Fair family. Um, So that is my grandfather, Charles Fair, who my, my grandmother meets in 1917 and marries after a whirlwind romance. And then the fourth family is the fam- the champion family, where Marjorie's sister, Esme, married one of three champion brothers. And Carl Champion was a master at Haderbury, where he taught alongside my grandfather, Charles Fair. Um, so you can see the four families are actually all very closely tied together, sharing both school and university backgrounds in, in common. So what, where did they come from and where did they grow up? What was their sort of professional and social background? They, they were all professional middle class families. So the Dodgsons were in insurance broking. Um, Toby Dodgson is actually he was actually a clerk at the Stock Exchange. And the Secretans were insurance brokers. So they were originally Huguenot family who'd come to um, London when the Huguenots did in 16th century. I think it might have been, but I, I'm subject to correction on that. And being coming from that sort of part of Switzerland, um, they were very strong in finance. Um, and in fact, there is still a Secretan 
motor policy syndicate at Lloyd's today. So those two were in finance. And then the Fair family, Charles Fair, he was a master at Halebury. And, and his colleague, Carl Champion, was also a master at Halebury, though Carl Champion and his three brothers were all engineers by background. So the centenary of the Great War obviously has produced many collections of letters, diaries. Um, so what makes yours so special? I think there's, there's a number of things. I think the firstly is that there is a, a female component to this. I mean, many collections of letters tend to be just one way, letters coming from the front to a loved one at home. And the recipients are often, there's often not much information about how they were thinking or feeling. Um, they're often, you know, relatively minor players. But well, with this one, a lot of the letters that Marjorie sent out to Toby Dodgson and to my grandfather were preserved. So we've actually got a, a pretty good record of both sides of the exchange. So we know how her she was feeling as the war progressed. I think the second one is it's a pretty comprehensive collection in that it covers all the whole period of the war. So we've got the the first letter start in early 1915 and they go right the way through till May 1919. Um, So pretty much every major battle on the Western Front or campaign there is a member of one of the families is involved. So from that sense, you get a pretty broad overview of what the fighting on the Western Front was like from the perspective of a junior infantry or, in one case, artillery officer. So one of the central themes is the, the relationship between Marjorie Secretan and her fiancé, Toby Dodgson. Can you start about telling us how that evolved and, and, and how that developed over the early part of the war? Yes, certainly. I mean, they, they had known each other from living in the same part of the world. So Marjorie grew the home is a Leverstock Green, a village in Hertfordshire that's now been subsumed in Hamel Hempstead. Toby lived not far away at the village of Bobbingdon in Hearts. So they knew each other from playing tennis. And Toby had actually been at school with Marjorie's brother Humphrey. So they'd been at Marlborough College in Wiltshire. So it seems from the letters that we have that they started becoming a, a, a couple, so to speak, in 1913 and they spent more and more time together it was a very tentative relationship initially all very polite and dear Miss Secretan dear Mr Dodgson kind of thing and then it evolves to something that's much more more passionate so he and she spent as much time they can together in 1915 where which is where many of the letters start from so whenever he's he, he has the opportunity to escape training from the 23rd division uh, he spends time with her so we've got records and photographs of some of those weeks of leave that he he had. And then when he goes to France in 1916, there are three periods of leave that he gets, each of about a week long, where he comes back and we instead of having letters, we've got her diaries, which give a, a, a paragraph or two description of what they're doing every day. Um, so you can see that it, it starts off as something that then becomes very passionate. So he then he proposes to her in 1915, shortly, August 1915, shortly before they go overseas. And then... The final leave that he has is in June 1915, and that's when they said, we'll get married on on my next leave. Um, And of course, it never happened because he was killed on July the 10th, 1916. So what impact did that uh, fatality have on your grandmother? It was pretty devastating for her. His body was not initially found, and she... She hears that he's missing a, a, a few days later and she writes across two pages, a double page spread of a diary for one week and then the next. I don't remember these days. They were awful. And, you know, you know she's she is obviously in a, a deep well of despair. There are elements of hope when she gets clearly has got letters back that somebody may have seen him um, or there's hope that he might have been captured or be in a hospital behind German lines. 
so you can see that that, that her, her spirits go up when there may be a chance that he's alive. And eventually, of course, it, evidence com- comes out. She tracks down people um, or, and, and gets a letter back saying, no, there's no doubt that he was killed on that attack on the 10th of July, 1916, at Quantum Maison. So for her, thinking she was going to get married, becoming, in effect, almost widowed uh, a few weeks later, it's a, it's a, it was pretty devastating. But that's not the end of the story. She then uh, went on to meet your grandfather, Charles Fair, and get married uh, in the later part of war. So we have her dealing with the aftermath of Toby's death in July, August 1916. And then we don't have we don't have much from her other than the very briefest of diary entries for a year. And the way she met my grandfather on July the 28th, 1917, we know from her, her diaries and my grandfather's letters. So my grandfather was a master at Halebury. And Marjorie, her, was living at that time at... Um, Stanford Abbotts in Hertfordshire, living with her uncle, a, a guy called Basil Richardson, who was a governor of Halebury. And on the 28th of July, she goes to a concert at Halebury College and meets my grandfather, who at that time is home on leave. And he's attending senior officer's school, Daniel Aldershot. And they meet at this concert and get talking. Now, three days later, the Battle of Third Eep starts. And Marjorie's younger brother, Reggie, secretary, is killed with the 1st 1st Hertfordshire Regiment at Saint-Julien. And my grandfather sees this in the, the paper. He sees that 1st first, first, first Hearts lose quite a lot of, uh, of officers that day. And in fact, they, every officer who went over the top with the 1st Hertfordshire was either killed or wounded. And she sees that Reggie Secretan is is lost, presumed killed. And he writes to her. So a few days later, this is early August. So he writes to her and it's a very polite letter, dear Miss Secretan. And he, he basically offers his, his help. And he 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 had lost people close to him. My, my grandfather lost his mother when he was only about 14. And so he'd also lost his half-brother back in 1909. He was close to, there was a chap called Ted Fisher, who'd actually been a, a veteran of um, in the, the Manchester Regiment in the Boer War. So he'd already had, he'd lost two people very close to him. So he offers Marjorie's emotional support saying, you know, what little help I can, but I, I, I do sort of understand where, where you are and, and how difficult life can be. And if you want to, basically, if you want to chat, let's do so. Um, and they end up meeting again. And over the next three weeks, they they clearly meet another two or three times, another few times. Well, he's on taking leave from the officer's school in Aldershot. Um, so they're probably meeting at weekends or maybe he's able to pop up for dinner. And they meet a few times. So th- th- this this courtship evolves very rapidly. So he then proposes to her a few weeks later. They then have a whirlwind romance, uh, well, a, 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 a whirlwind engagement period of about three weeks and then get married. Uh, so they then get married on... I need to check the date. I think it's September the 17th um, at St. Michael's Church in Chester Square. Yeah, sorry, 19th of September, 1917. St. Michael's Church, uh, Chester Square. So... From having met the first time the 28th of July, they're married 19th of September. Um, so very, 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 very uh, high speed development of that relationship. So then your grandfather, Charles, is obviously goes to France. And how does Marjorie cope with that? I think she's, uh, as one might expect, I think deeply worried that he might not come back, um, having already lost two people close to her. That, um, and then this is somebody who's, who's already been out in France for more than 18 months at this point before off to school. So he's had a fair bit of time out in the Western France and officer so i think she is obviously deeply concerned for him um he does write and reassure that he's uh, as second in command he's not going to be in 
in harm's way quite as much as a, as a subaltern. And he was second in command of the... First 19th London Regiment from St Pancras in the 47th Division. And they, they, had, they were pretty well engaged in active service throughout 1917 and 1918. Um, yes, they were. So they weren't fortunately heavily involved in 3rd Eep, but they were um, involved in the German counterattack at Bourne Wood in the Battle of Combray. So the battalion gets gassed at that point. And my grandfather's 2IC goes up with the reinforcements to take command of the battalion when the CO is gassed. So when you look back on all these uh, letters, what was the impact on, on people left at home? Because I think that's sometimes really not known a lot about. We always have letters from the front, but not from the perspective of the, of the home front. I think, yes, you, you can see that they are keen to do their bit on the home front. I mean, Marjorie spends a bit of time as a VAD at a hospital in Ware in Hertfordshire. Um, her sister, Esme, spends mu- in fact, most of the war as a VAD, including the war hospital in Reading in Berkshire, as does her mother. So there's certainly a, a keenness to do your bit at home. I think that you do see the gulf in understanding between uh, the, the people who are writing home from the front, trying to downplay the dangers and the risks, and those at, at home, obviously, are, you know, they don't see the worst of it. There are moments, though, when they, they report on, on life at home. And Marjorie herself um, is in October 1915, after Toby's gone to France, she is, is, is rather close to one of the Zeppelin raids um, and sees the bombs falling and explosions from a Zeppelin um, as she's going on the train up, up to Hertfordshire whilst the Zeppelins are coming down the, the Lee Valley. Um, so she's able to write him and said, there you go, it's not just... You in the front facing danger. We, we, are, we have daily Zeppelin raids over here too. So, how do you feel about when you look when you look back on these letters and they are actually of your your blood and you know people that you know obviously your dad knew um, and they have a really sort of strong resonance. They they do. I mean, they I knew my grandmother. I mean, she died in 1976 when I was 10. So obviously, I had no inkling at that time, at that age of of the story that she had behind her. So I feel I know her a lot better through this and. My grandfather died before I was born, so I never knew him. But I think through the letters, I've got a, a much deeper understanding of what sort of a man he was. So it certainly helped me to understand my own family background um, much, much better than I would have done and what, what they went through. So finally, now, Marjorie's War, as obviously was published in 2012, copies are still available, if I'm correct. And where can people get them from, obviously, with the run up to Christmas? Uh, thank you. Yes, good, good, good point. Um, they can be can be ordered through Amazon um, or other online booksellers. And I'm sure if you went into a, um, a bricks to mortar bricks and mortar bookstore, um, you'd be able to order it through them too. Charles, thank you very much for your time. All right, thank you, Tom. You have been listening to the mentioned in dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Butterworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth, performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.